Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Wes, I got to say I'm a little disappointed. I thought you were going to come up here and sing a solo for my last Sunday. And we just wandered around like you were lost and then left the stage. It was really disappointing. Well, if you haven't heard uh, yet, I announced a couple weeks ago that I made the decision to step down here at lead, as lead pastor at North Bible Church. So this is my uh, last sermon here at North. Um, and... Uh, I also want to say, though, um, that this isn't goodbye for us. Um, um, our family intends on continuing to, uh, our intends, intends to continue to attend <laughs> North Bible Church uh, as long as we, as long as God's got us here and until we uh, find our next step. And so, <laughs> so just be my last Sunday preaching as lead pastor. So we're going to see you guys around. I, I was, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to finally finally be a part of the donut ministry. I've wanted to be a part of the donut ministry since I got here, and so if they'll accept me, uh, you might see me with the donuts next week. Uh, I've got a lot more free time on Sunday mornings than I've had in the past. I will, at least, coming, upcoming, and so I'm looking forward to maybe joining the donut ministry next week. So we'll see how that goes. It'll at least be a great exercise, and there you go. I know Sharon would appreciate that. So uh, with my last sermon as lead pastor at North Bible Church, what, what, do you, what do you say at a time like this? I mean, I was thinking about that this past week. Like, what am I going to say? I don't even really know what to say uh, in some ways. But I think, um, you know, because it comes to, as it comes to you, you just think about how do you preach a sermon that you never really wanted to preach and you never thought you would preach, certainly at this point in time. And I think fortunately... As God has done throughout my life, he's given me the words to say uh, when I don't have the words to say myself. And uh, I was thinking about it this past week, and a passage came to mind, one that I want to share with you this morning uh, as my last message from Philippians, the letter, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And we're going to be talking through that. I think what happens is that as I've, as I've gone through this and as I've read through this this week, God has been able to give me words to the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions that I feel towards you as North Bible Church. And I think this is going to be a really encouraging time for us, and I hope you're encouraged by it as we, as we finish up together. Um, you know, we all know the Apostle Paul as someone who is a great missionary, who was a very wise teacher, who was a faithful witness. But one of the things that I've really appreciated, I really do appreciate about Paul when we go through the letters, is we see Paul's pastoral heart. We see how much Paul really had affection and loved the churches that he was able to serve in the time that he was able uh, to serve them. We're going to see that in one of those places at the beginning of Philippians, uh, the, the book of Philippians in chapter 1. And we'll read through that in just a minute. But you may, know, uh, you may know a little bit about the book of Philippians if you're familiar with it. You may know that this was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi while he was under house arrest in the city of Rome for preaching and teaching about Jesus. And Paul, we know from the book of Acts that Paul had two other interactions, uh, significant visits with the church at Philippi during some of his missionary journeys. During his second missionary journey, he actually helped start that church. He baptized a few believers, and a handful of believers actually grew into a church there in the city of Philippi. In his third missionary journey, he went back and he actually spent five years at the church, investing in the church, training leaders, discipling people, and just enjoying the fellowship that he had there. And so now when we find Paul writing this letter as he's in house arrest in Rome, it's been several years since he's had a chance to return to the church. 
But in that time, he's heard all of these reports about how healthy the church has gotten and how much it's grown, and it fills him with joy. And you see that joy just explode in the first part of this letter. And we know the, the book of Philippians as Paul's letter of joy, and, it's, and it's, it's appropriately called that, because you see so much joy and affection coming out from the pastoral heart of Paul towards this church that he loves so much. And he's so excited about what God is doing among that church that I felt like this was a really fitting place for us to land here this morning. As we're going to see in a minute, right, this is one of those great pastoral passages. I've, I've gone to this uh, quite often throughout my pastoral ministry uh, because it always reminds me of why I wanted to be a pastor in the first place. It always draws me back to understanding, like, I, I, I look, I hear, you're going to hear these words in a minute, but when you hear these words from Paul, and you see how they flow off the page and how, how, how affectionate they are and how personal they are. It reminds you of what it means to be a pastor in the first place and really what I loved about pastoral ministry, what I still love even to today. And so as we work through these words today, we work through this passage, I hope it's a way of encouraging us all this morning as we look at God's word. Philippians chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in, my, in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless, for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that, crumbs, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, I said earlier when I went to sit down to write this message uh, this week, I didn't really know what to say. Uh, it's only half true. I did know what I wanted to say. I just didn't know how I wanted to say it. And so I appreciate these words that give form to the thoughts and what I really want to communicate to you and leave with you uh, this morning. And I want to leave with you just a few things. And here are those things. First, I want to say thank you. Now, there's a long list of ways that I could say thank you to North for all the experiences we've had over the past three years. I'm going to mention several of them here this morning. Secondly, I want to celebrate North. You know, of course, we've been through a lot of difficult stuff this past few years. We've talked a lot about that. But the reality in all of this is that all that we've faced in this year, in these years, have brought some of the best things about what North Bible Church is to the surface. And I want to celebrate some of those things with you here this morning as well, because there is a lot there to celebrate. Third, I want to uh, encourage you forward. Uh, you heard me say a couple of weeks ago that I believe North has a bright future because of the competent and faithful staff and competent and faithful elders that we have here, and I think that's really true. But of course, most importantly, is the reason that North Bible Church has a bright future is because Jesus still loves his church. And we're going to talk about that here this morning as well. And then finally and fourth, I want to finish by doing what I've tried to do every time I've stepped up on this stage over the past three years, 
which is to draw you closer, to lead you closer to Jesus through his word. And so let's begin. First, I want to say thank you to North Bible Church. First, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy. You know, I think one of the things that Paul really taps into here as he says this to the Philippians is the importance of remembering. And, you know, we've passed through years, we've done these services at the end of the year called our Remember and Celebrate services. And what we've encouraged us to do as we've gotten to the end of the year is to look over the past year and to remember what God has done in our lives, what God has done in us as a church, and to celebrate that before we head on to the new year, right? Because at the new year, everybody wants to make plans. They're looking forward to New Year's resolutions and what God's going to bring in the next year. But it's important for us to stop at times and to remember and to look back at what God has done and to celebrate that. We see these reminders all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. God always reminding his people, remember, remember, remember. And as we remember, we remember the things that God has done. It gives us an opportunity to be thankful, and it gives us an opportunity to celebrate what God has done among us. And so as I remember and celebrate the past three years with you this morning, I know that one thing that our family will take with us uh, as we leave north are the memories that we've made here. And that's not just the memories of the events that we've had here at church, although we've really enjoyed the times where we've been able to get together for worship on Sundays, obviously, and enjoy VBS events and trunk or treat, the really fun thing, and Christmas festivals. We would have liked to enjoy more, more we would have liked to have enjoyed more events, but of course COVID shut that down for a year plus. But the events were great, and the events were fantastic. But as we all know, it's not the events that make those memories so special, it's the people, it's the church, it's the remembrance of you. As Paul says here, he's not remembering the things that they did together, he's remembering the people at Philippi as he's on house arrest in Rome, some 800 miles away from them. And for us, it's the remembrance of the people that we've shared this journey with these past three years that we will take with us as a family. And the first sermon that I preached on this stage was during my candidate weekend back on June 15th, 2019. And uh, I remember that date. I didn't even have to look it up for a couple reasons. First of all, it was Father's Day, and it was also our wedding anniversary. It was our 17th wedding anniversary. And so I remember that day distinctly. Secondly, it was also the first day where we felt like North Bible Church was going to be our home. I remember my wife coming to me after that, and there were a lot of things that happened that week. It was a busy weekend, interviews and discussions and meetings and sermons and meetings with, with people and Q&A sessions. All those things happened that weekend. It was a busy weekend. But the one thing that I'll remember most vividly of that weekend is my wife coming to me and saying, I feel like this could be home for us. I really enjoyed how welcoming the church was. I, really, I met some great people that I really feel like could be friends of ours, and I really feel like this is a place we could call home. And I'm a big believer in the old adage, happy wife, happy life. And so I was just like, that's, that's sold it for me. That's all I need to hear. And we had a feeling that this would be the church, the next church that we were a part of. And look, uh, North has been our home, and this church has been our church family from that day to this point. And just like all families, church families have their ups and downs, right? We've had those over the past few years. We've had conflicts and disagreements. But just like a family, what binds us together and what has kept us together is remembering what holds us together as the church. That it's because of the fellowship that we have in Christ and by his spirit that we are made a family together. And I believe we've, we, I, I've been so thankful for the times when we've been able to lean into that as a church. 
We've been able to realize that what binds us together in Christ is so much more important than all the petty disagreements and the different opinions we have about ancillary issues. And a family holds together well when they make the most important thing the most important thing. And we've done that well over the past few years. And believe it or not, some of the most significant memories that I'm going to take with me is how well North stayed faithful to the calling to be the church of Jesus in such difficult and unprecedented times. I'll remember all the times where one of you would approach me on a Sunday morning, and maybe you didn't even realize it, but you gave me just a word of encouragement, or just told us, hey, especially during the tough times, we're praying for you guys as a staff. I just want you to know as a family, we're praying for you. Send a text message or an email just at the right time. And many of you don't need, didn't, probably didn't even realize this, but it was just at the right time where we needed that kind, or I needed that kind of encouragement in the moment. And I can't help but believe that it was the Spirit prompting certain of, uh, certain of you to, to come and just say one simple statement of, hey, we're praying for you, we're supporting you, and you have no idea how we needed it right at that moment, how I personally needed it right at that moment. So I just want to say thank you for being faithful to that calling, to that prompting of the Spirit to be so encouraging. It meant, the world, it meant a world of difference to us. And so we're going to take these memories with us whenever and wherever we go. And as Paul says here, whenever we remember north, we're going to be thankful that God called us here for this season. S speaking of the faithfulness of north, Paul says also, or I want to, uh, the second thing I want you to know uh, here is that I want to celebrate north here this morning. Uh, Paul says also in Philippians chapter 1 verse 5, that he's thankful because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, two important words in this statement jump out at me right away. The word partnership and the word gospel. And let's start with the word partnership. The word partnership is actually uh, the word trans an English word translated from the Greek word koinonia. And you may have heard this word before, koinonia. It's used quite often in Scripture to refer to fellowship. It's actually a lot more, it's a lot deeper than just the English word partnership can kind of capture. It has to do with deep fellowship, shared life, shared commitment, shared relationship, and even in this context, it actually implies action. In short, what this describes is a healthy community together that is loving one another in action. Another word that you may have heard, another Greek word that you may be familiar with is the word agape. It means love in action. This is agape together joined with koinonia in this context. So that Paul is actually highlighting the fact that what makes a community a community under Christ is that they love one another in action and in deed. Not just in words, but in actual, and not just in form, but in actual deeds, the way that they are committed to loving one another through action. You know, there are a lot of churches, in fact, every church I think I've ever been a part of, who talk about community and talk about how they want real community. And I think one thing that I've learned as I've been in a few different churches is that it's actually a lot easier to talk about community than it actually is to experience real community. And you don't really know when you have real community until you actually have it. Like you experience it and they're like, oh, so that's what it's supposed to look like. And I have to tell you, all the difference comes back to this idea of loving in action. Real community is forged in love through action. And if you've been at North for any amount of time, you have probably experienced that love in action in very tangible ways. There are lots of ways we can see it. We can see it in the volunteers that we have in various ministries who are always serving with so much joy and commitment. We see it in our faithful prayer ministry, who are people who are praying over every single prayer request that is written down or submitted. You have people in this church who are praying for you every single week. 
But among all the things that we do, there's really one thing that's blown me away at North. You know, we have meal trains here at North. You guys familiar with that? <laughs> we have meal trains here at North. And we have a meal train ministry where we provide meals for people who are, either have a family member in the hospital or they're shut in for whatever reason and they need meals brought to their house. And this is what, one thing that has really blown me away, is that every time a meal train opens up, it doesn't matter how many meals need to be provided, how many dates need to be provided, within like a day or two, that thing is completely filled. It's like whenever one of those things open up, it's like, it's like a new PlayStation has come out or a new iPhone has been released. It's like completely booked within a day or two. You have to do everything you can just to fight to get your name on that list. And look, guys, that is love in action. That is the true koinonia that Paul is talking about here. And we are thankful to have experienced it here at North, and it's something that as a member of North, you should know is very rare and very special. And so that's one word, and so that's one word, koinonia, fellowship, partnership. The other word that I think is critical in this statement is the word gospel. You know, along with community, one of the defining characteristics of this church here at North is its love for God's word. And one of the questions that we ask during our starting point classes and our membership classes of everybody who attends is just simply, what do you love about North? What is it about North that, wants you, that makes you want to be a part of this church? And I always like asking that question because it's a window into really who you are as a church. You can say all day long, this is who we are, this is who we are. But when somebody new comes into your church and they decide to commit and be a part of your church and you hear the reasons why, you get a window into understanding what's really special about what God is doing among a group of believers. And almost, I think, 98% of the time, there's either one or two answers that have been given every single time we've asked this question, at least in the classes I've been a part of. And it's either one, first of all, the community, the fellowship here, the feeling of family here at North, and secondly, the teaching and the commitment to teaching God's Word. And sometimes it's both of those things together. And look, in my experience, right, again, it's not another one of those things that churches talk about wanting to be about. We want to teach the Bible. We want to teach the Bible. We want to teach the Bible. But I think when you talk about a teaching ministry of a church, you have to realize that in some ways, right, just teaching the Bible for the sake of knowledge is not nearly good enough. We all know biblically knowledgeable people who are some of the worst people that you'll ever meet, right? They know everything about the Bible, and then they look nothing like Jesus. And it's confusing in that way, right? Because it's like, okay, you know God's word, but you're supposed to be like Jesus, but you're absolutely not like Jesus. Like, you know a lot. And it reminds me of when, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I love the emphasis on the gospel here, because the reality is what Paul is saying is what changes lives is the gospel of Jesus. What changes lives is, yes, the Word of God, but the Word of God joined with the love and the presence of God changes lives. And what I see here at North and what I've experienced in my time here at North is that the reason that our church loves God's Word is because you love God. Because you see God's love in it, and it allows you to understand how God loves you so that you can love the world. When we talk about what it means to love God, love one another, or love others, and also love the world, it comes through an understanding of what God's Word says to us. The reason that this church loves God's word is because they love God. And a healthy church looks like a loving community of people gathered around God's word. I think that, you know, those two elements of what it means to be a church, a community gathered around God's word, although no churches are perfect, if those are the two things that are the bedrocks of who you are as a church, you'll get a lot more right than you get wrong. 
And I see those things so present here in North Bible Church. And we've been grateful to be a part of it. Third thing I want to do this morning is encourage you forward. First Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice something with, this word, with these words. Remember, Paul is on house arrest in Rome. And so when he writes these letters and when he writes these words right here about being confident that what has been started among the church of Philippi will be completed until the day of Jesus Christ, he's 800 miles away in Rome, 800 miles away from the city of Philippi. And he's in house arrest. He doesn't know if or when he will get out. He doesn't know how his trial is going to go. He may end up actually losing his life and being put to death as a result of what he's been sentenced to for teaching and preaching about Jesus. And yet he writes these words about being so sure and confident about the good work continuing among the people in Philippi and not even being able to be sure whether he will ever make it back to the city to see these people again in person in this life. And so where does Paul's confidence come from? Notice Paul says, it is he who will do it. It is Jesus who began a good work. It is Jesus who is making that happen by his spirit and he will continue the work. Now again, Paul had started the church with a few believers, had baptized them, had been there for five years discipling and raising up leaders. He was probably, as a person, the most influential person in that church. And yet at the same time, he looks at it and says, you know what, it doesn't matter whether I see you again, whether I have chance to be there again. This work was never mine in the first place. This work has always been Jesus's. He began it, and he will finish it. He will be the one to bring it to completion in the end. And this is completely Jesus' work. And the role that we get to play is just a role that we get to play, whether we're Paul or Timothy or any other pastor who comes along the line. And so Jesus does the work, and he's not dependent upon any one person to get it done. I said a couple weeks ago, you know, that as pastors, all of us as church pastors serve in temporary roles. And that's the truth. In reality, like, we all have our starting point with a church. We all have our ending point with a church. And that happens for, you know, in those, those time, those time uh, tenures are different for different reasons, but at the same time, they're always temporary. And you can see that emphasized here, the contrast between the temporary role of even the Apostle Paul and his influence on one of his favorite churches compared to the eternal ministry of the good shepherd who is Jesus, shepherding and pastoring his churches from day one all the way to the completion of the day of Christ, from beginning to end. You know, my first full sermon series here at North um, was on, anybody remember? Esther. Wow, you guys are great. <laughs> I love you guys. It was on the book of Esther. It was. And one of the things, of course, that the book of Esther is known for is Mordecai's famous statement to um, Esther saying, who knows but that God has brought you to this place for such a time as this. And that kept echoing in my mind over the past couple weeks as I was thinking about this. And I'm not comparing myself to Esther or even to Mordecai in this case. But just to remind us that the book of Esther is about God's sovereign plan. That God, how God often works in ways that we don't understand. And that he raises up certain people for certain times and certain purposes. And then he brings them down and he raises someone up, someone else up for a certain time and a certain purpose. And it's all a part of his good and sovereign plan. And we're blessed to, get a, to be a part of those plans when we get a chance to be a part of them. But in the end, they're done by God's sovereign will and his grace. They're given to us by God's sovereign will and his grace. And so, 
as I think about such a time and purpose, if my time and purpose was to pastor north through COVID and all that we've been through these past years, then I'm fine with that. I'll be the COVID pastor. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that, actually. It's not the calling that I would have picked for myself, certainly, but at the same time, if it's God's calling and if it's God's will and if it's God's plan and purpose, then I know that it's good in the end and it's going to be good. And I've been asked by multiple people, what is going to happen to North with me stepping down? And I totally understand the question. It's unsettling for a church to lose their lead pastor at any time and for any reason. But I would also remind us of what all of this says that we just read from Paul. This church exists because of Jesus and for Jesus. That's the bottom line. This church was here before me. It'll be here after me. And it'll be here, Lord willing, after the next guy who steps into this role, as long as, as long as it goes until Jesus comes back. And that's why North has a bright future. Not because of a pastor, not because of a leader, not because of a staff team or an elder team. North has a bright future because Jesus is here in this church, and it's his church. Which brings us to the last thing I want to leave you with. Finally, I want to encourage you to follow Jesus more closely. You know, this whole introduction that we've just read is all about Jesus from beginning to end. From the grace and peace introduction to the last verses which focus on the glory and the praise of God through Jesus Christ. And as you see what Paul is talking about when he talks about the remembrance and the memories that he has with the church at Philippi, it all has to do with all that Jesus has done among this church. And look again at the entire section. If we can put it up on screen, let's put the scripture up on screen. He, they even introduce it uh, Paul introduces it by saying, look, we are Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. As we just talked about, this is the work of Jesus. We just get to play a part in it. That's who we are. We're just servants in this whole thing. And then he goes on to talk about the saints who have been made saints and made holy ones, set apart by Jesus, by the grace and peace, which is an obvious reference to the gospel, the grace of Jesus in saving us, and the peace that we have as a result of his salvation being reconciled to God, being reconciled to one another, being people who get to taste and have the future promise of shalom, wholeness, peace. And as you move down from there, everything is focused on Jesus. The work that is started by Jesus, the work that's completed by Jesus. This is all about Paul then thanking the folks who have been so faithful, but at the same time also remembering the fact that it is Jesus who has done the work from beginning to end. And then he gets to the end and he says in those last few verses that the purpose of all of this is so that you would bear the fruit of righteousness that is in you because of Christ. And because of what he's done to the praise and the glory of God, you would live in fellowship with one another as you continue to follow Jesus. You know, I titled this message, What Matters Most? And it's obviously, I mean, it's obvious to say what matters most, hopefully, it's obvious to say that what matters most about the church is Jesus. But it's important to say that because sometimes we forget. And he always will be what matters most in the church. And we can see that in the last couple verses again in that introduction. To the glory and praise of God through Jesus Christ. That we would prove what is good and excellent displaying the fruit and the character of Jesus through his spirit. Now, earlier I talked about my first day at North, that candidating weekend, and one more thing, one more, another thing I remember distinctly about that day is that I was given the opportunity to preach through John chapter 15, and, especially, and in particular, uh, Jesus' parable on the vine and the branches. And I've had many of you come and say to me, like, I still remember that sermon. 
And not because it was impactful, not because it changed your life, not because you're necessarily like learning. It's because I, I, I compared John 15 to a porterhouse steak. Do you remember that? You had a picture of a porterhouse steak. I don't even remember why I did that. I don't remember what the illustration was all about. But I had a lot of people, I've had people come up to me since then and say, I remembered you as the steak guy, right? Well, all the candidates, you were the steak guy. But I remember a little bit differently. What I remember about the message is that Larry was going through a series at the time and he assigned me this passage. And I remember being so excited about being able to preach this passage because, of course, that parable is all about what, uh, what I've always wanted my preaching ministry to be about, which is connecting people to Jesus. The vine and the branches, the branches only survive in so much they're connected and in fellowship with Jesus, who is the vine. And as Jesus says, you must abide in me to have life. And I thought to myself, what a perfect way to introduce myself to this church because that's what I've always tried to be about is leading people to be connected to the source of life, to the source of their salvation, to the source and hope of eternal life, who is Jesus. And whether it was going through the Old Testament books like Esther or Hosea, or it was going through a sermon series like the political season that we went through in the Sermon on the Mount where we focused on Jesus being king and his kingdom being our politic, or we went through the series on uh, the book of Revelation, where we talked about the point of this book is not so that we can predict the future, but so that we can see the lamb who was slain and the lion of the tribe of Judah who will come again. I've always been focused on, as much as I can, leading us to consider how do we see Jesus in this? How does this call us to be closer to Jesus? And I'm fine with being the stake guy, if you want to call me the stake guy. I'm fine with being known by it that way. I'm fine with even being known as the COVID pastor. <laughs> but what I want you to remember me for is that I pointed to Jesus whenever I could. That Jesus is always the point, that he is always what matters most. And that's what we always need to hear, but I think we especially needed to hear that over these past three years. When things were so chaotic, when there were so many distractions, when we were pulled in so many different directions, that we needed to be reminded constantly that Jesus is king, that Jesus is the point, that Jesus still saves, and that Jesus is, is still in control. And if I'm asking God why these last three years, why only these last three years to serve this one purpose, which I have asked that question, believe me, over the past few months, why only just these three years? If it was just to keep our eyes on Jesus through such a difficult time, then I just hope that I did a faithful job with the opportunities that I had to lead and teach this church. I'll close with this. You know, I've mentioned this before, but I've had a lot of opportunities to officiate weddings um, over the years that I've been in ministry. And my favorite moment in a wedding ceremony, and probably it's your favorite as well, is the first time the groom has a chance to see his bride at the end of the aisle. And as an officiant, like, I, we get, you know, if, you, if you've ever officiated a wedding or you just kind of can imagine this, as an officiant, you get a, a very unique perspective on what's happening in front of you because typically the groom's right here, he's right next to you, and you actually see the bride as she arrives at the end of the aisle and you get to see her walk up to come and, and to arrive at the groom. And every time I see that, right, I'm always paying attention to the groom to see how he reacts because what you see going on, and, and then when they first make eye contact, when the bride makes eye contact with the groom and he sees just how beautiful she is, that moment that happens there is one of the most beautiful moments you'll ever see. 
because there's nothing but love. It's like those two people are the only two people on earth for that moment when they see each other and they smile and the groom sees how beautiful his bride is all dressed up with her hair done and her makeup done and he looks at her and he, and he smiles and then she begins her slow walk up the aisle and, they, and in some of the best ones, they, don't, they, don't, uh, they lock eye contact for the entire time until she arrives at the altar and that eye contact is not broken. And, you know, one of the reasons why that's put in a ceremony is because it's supposed to represent the church as the bride coming and arriving at the altar where Jesus is the groom. We see imagery throughout all of Scripture about the bride of Christ being made perfect and being made beautiful for her her arrival with her groom. And so I think about that every time I experience that. Every time I experience that in a ceremony, I think about all the ways that God is making us and Jesus is making us perfect and beautiful so that one day, just as Paul says here in Philippians chapter 1, we will arrive ready and pure and and blameless before Christ on that day of Christ. That's what Paul's talking about here, the day of Christ, that day where we are made perfect to be received by our groom as the church. And I have to say this, I'm thankful to God And I am thankful to all of you for the role that I've been able to play in helping North become a bride that is just a little bit more beautiful and a little bit more ready for Jesus. Because in the end, that is what matters most. And I get to lead you through one last thing this morning as we respond today. We're going to take communion today as we close. And I think the communion table is a fitting place for us to end together. It's the place that ties us all together. It's the place that reminds us of what really matters most. As we come to the communion table, we gather in spirit and in confession with every Christian that has ever lived throughout history, every Christian in every culture, every language, every ethnicity, every, every nation, every denomination. We gather together around the table because of what Jesus has done. It's the place that even when we leave at some point, we will continue to meet with you in spirit even after we're gone. And no matter what we, no matter where we go, no matter what we end up doing, this is still what matters most in the end. That we are gathered by Jesus' saving grace to join as a family together. Reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. That's what the communion table represents. And we're to remember and celebrate what Jesus has done. Jesus told the disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And Paul says that every time we come to the communion table, we are to proclaim the death of Jesus Christ, to celebrate the hope that we have in Christ because of what's represented in these elements. Jesus' body broken on the cross and his blood spilled out for the forgiveness of sins and for the guaranteeing of the new covenant blessings on our behalf. And what we do as we worship and glorify God when we come to the table is to look back both at what Jesus has done and to look forward to the day of Christ where, as Philippians 1 says, he will bring it all to a place of completion. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to release you to go to each one of the two. We've got tables all around the room here, four different tables here all the same, and so just find the one that's closest to you. And you can grab the communion elements, and then what I'd like to ask you to do is to come back to your seat, 
and then I'm going to come back and lead us through together. We're going to take communion together, okay? So I want to pray, and then we'll release you to go do that, and we'll come back together and take it together. <sighs> Father, I don't have enough words or even the right words this morning to thank you for all that you've done in our lives through this church. And I thank you for the promise that we've read today. Lord, we have full conviction and surety in the fact that you will bring to completion what you have started in Jesus. In each one of us as believers and also in this church. And so, Father, I want to pray that you continue the faithful witness of North Bible Church that has existed now for 20 years in this place. And Lord, I know and I am confident in the fact that it will continue to bear faithful witness in this place, in this city, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, I'm so thankful for the many lives that we've been able um, to see changed in this place. The many people who have walked with you so faithfully that have been an example to the rest of the community of what it means to follow Jesus in hope. Even among impossible situations and in the midst of impossible situations, cancer diagnosis, COVID, family deaths, I'm thankful for the way, Lord, that you have shined your hope through those lives and for the rest of us who have walked alongside that, been able to see that hope in Jesus Christ is truly real. And Lord, I pray for North Bible Church going forward, Lord. Uh, I, am, I am excited and I'm thankful for the leadership in this church. And I know that you have placed them in this place for such a time as this. And we ask for your grace, for your mercy, for your wisdom to reign. Lord, that you would protect and purify their hearts. And Father, that you would give them direction. We know this is an opportunity, as we often have in life, to trust you even more. And I pray we would see it as that. It's not one that we would ask for, Lord. It's not one that we would wish for. It's not one that we would pray for. But it's here nonetheless, and it's an opportunity to trust you as you guide us forward. And we know for those of us who have, who, who, have, who, have, uh, who have tried you, Lord, who have placed our faith in you, who have placed our hope in you time and time again, we know that your hope does not disappoint. So I'm praying that North would see that from this moment on and going forward. Lord, that you would open our eyes, direct our hearts, direct our minds that we be faithful witnesses of who Jesus is called together. And as we join around the communion table, may this be a reminder of all that he has done to reconcile us and bring us together. It is truly the grace and peace of Jesus that brings us together as a family. And it's what we have to be thankful for. It's what we have to remember and to celebrate here this morning as we come to the table. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, 
and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.